0: seattle sports saturdays with curtis rogers and taylor jacobs on 710 espn seattle this is seattle sports saturday right here on 710 espn seattle thank you so much for making us a part of your early morning or your late morning i should say it's 11 o'clock here But we are with you for an hour here on Seattle Sports Saturday. With you up until Mariners pregame, which gets going at noon today as the Mariners take on the Kansas City Royals. Game three of that four-game series. And it's starting to get to a must-have, a must-win game in game three of this four-game series because the last couple nights it has been a gut punch of sorts. Uh, Late losses to Kansas City. Look, I think you should avoid loading the bases against Salvador Perez at all costs at this point, because we saw it happen on Friday night, we saw it happen on Thursday night, where Perez hits either a game-tying Grand Slam or a go-ahead Grand Slam, and uh, boy, it is not something that you want to see happen in today's game, that's for sure, but there is plenty to get to, and this is a rare sports day in the city of Seattle, as, look... It just doesn't happen this way too often around here where the Mariners and Seahawks both have home games on the exact same day. My research this morning showed that that hasn't happened since October 7th, 2001, when the Mariners' regular season finale and a Seahawks game against the Jacksonville Jaguars landed on the same exact day. So it's been quite some time. It's been nearly 20 years since this has happened in the Seattle sports scene. But uh, a rare day there. You You know what makes that so good is that, look, you have nowhere else to go today than right here on 710 ESPN Seattle because coming up, like I said, we've got Mariners pregame at noon, and then we also got first pitch of the Mariners game at 110. We've got Seahawks pregame, which starts at 5 o'clock, kickoff is at 7. Where else would you rather be in the world than right here today listening on 710 ESPN Seattle? Maybe you're going to go to both games. If you're going to double dip, text in to the Mac and Jack's text line 710 710. But we've got plenty to get to on this Seattle Sports Saturday. Taylor Jacobs he will be joining me in just a moment here. But before we get to all of what we're going to get to, we're going to look ahead to that Seahawks preseason game against the Chargers, the preseason finale. We're also going to take a look at Quandre Diggs's hold in, which is just a few days old now. And the Mariners, a must-win game today. Before we get to all of that, let's get into this hour's Big Three. Number, Number one. one. Well, like we said, the Seahawks, they're gonna be taking on the LA Chargers tonight at seven in that final preseason game of the year. Which you can hear right here on seven ten. Who is going to be playing in this one? We have not seen many starters through the first two games, and well the results of those first two games have really shown that to be the case, as the Seahawks dropped the opener to the Raiders in ugly fashion, and then last Saturday against the Broncos, losing thirty to three. Hopefully, we'll see some starters out there. But do you think, with the injuries sustained by John Ursua and Ben Burkherven last week, that there might be some hesitancy to put the starters out there for much longer than a few series? Maybe. That might be the case, but with cut-down day looming at 1 p.m. on Tuesday, August 3rd, this game is extremely important to a large portion of the roster. We've got guys like Trey Flowers who are fighting for a roster spot. Maybe Rashad Penny is on the bubble, too. Who knows how that could go? Who are the key position battles that we'll be watching for tonight? We'll dive into those in our next segment at 11.15. There's still more Seahawks news to get to, as well as Quandre Diggs joining Dwayne Brown this week taylor jacobs Quandre Diggs not practicing the last few days how do you think that situation's going to pan out to be one
1: of those in vogue hold-ins that we're seeing around the league ah. now so uh could it be contract related could it truly truly be rest like pete carroll said uh we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more at 11 15 but yeah he joins dwayne brown in this sort of journey To get extended before the start of the season, those guys trying to keep themselves fresh, holding out uh, of of practice and and physical activities, choosing to work on themselves in order to get their contract figured out.
0: So a lot of storylines as we head towards the regular season opener. Number Number two. two. Well, no one said it was going to be easy the rest of the way for the Mariners, and they found that out the last couple of nights. Things were going much better earlier in the week. Remember how they polished off the A's in that two-game sweep? We were riding so high after that. Kind of came back down to earth the last couple of nights as the Royals have shown that you cannot take your foot off the gas pedal, especially in the wild card race here in the season's final month as we're just a couple days away from that. Unfortunately, a pair of gut-punching losses has this team searching for answers. One that could help is not loading the bases against Salvador Perez. The M's busy on the waiver wire this week, adding a pair of veteran relievers. Righty Matt Andrees from the Red Sox And one of the biggest personalities in the game, that'd be lefty Sean Doolittle from the Cincinnati Reds. We also got some updates on the timetable for the return of Kyle Lewis and Justice Sheffield as they get closer and closer to returning. How can this team stay in the hunt? We discuss that coming up at 1130. Number three.
1: Well, the Pac-12 announced Thursday afternoon that its leaders made the decision to not pursue expansion of our membership at this time, which in layman terms means no new teams joining the Pac-12. It'll remain at 12. They went on to say this decision was made after extensive internal discussion and analysis and is based on the current competitive strength and cohesiveness of our 12 universities. The Pac-12, as I said, mentioned in a statement for now, the Big 12 schools will be looking elsewhere for their next conference destination as the doors won't be open at the Pac-12 and maybe not even at the Big 10 or the atlantic coast conference the acc as they announced their alliance the old gentleman's agreement that we're used to in sports with the goal of bringing stability to the landscape of college football and it's unlikely any of those other ones are going to add membership anytime soon as well so we'll a lot to think about as the ever-changing college football landscape continues to evolve and uh we got college football week zero action going on right now too so college football starting as we speak curtis
0: yeah starting in maybe the most beautiful fashion two to nothing illinois is up on nebraska right now uh couldn't ask for a much better start to the college football season that is this hours big three and uh yeah we mentioned college football starting taylor we are just a few hours away from some actual Pac-12 action, too. UCLA taking on Hawaii today uh, in some Week 0 action. I am so hyped for this college football season. My biggest hope is that we get something as close to a normal college football season as possible because we didn't get that last year at all, We didn't, especially out here on the West Coast where it was basically a handful of games each team played. I just want it to be a normal college football season so that we can invest and in, in live and die with each Pac-12 after dark moment like we've done so in years past. But uh, hopefully, knock on wood here, that we get that here in 2021. Yeah,
1: even though Curtis, we were just looking at the the week one schedule for the Pac-12 and seeing that eight p.m. kickoff for the Cougs. <laughs> whew, Pac-12 network still stings a little bit. I love seeing and watching Coug football, but man, oh man, it's the more and more yeah. i get older the more and more of those 8 p.m kickoffs really just hurt hurt my soul to see that
0: oh yeah yeah god now that i've got a kid too like there's no way i'm going to be able to finish a game that starts no. at 8 p.m and as a fan of one of the doormat schools in the pac-12 right now at least in terms of college football 8 p.m kickoffs are about as good as it's going to get for my arizona wildcats this year and so boy well i'll just check I'll just check the internet the next day and see how they yeah. did because I'm not putting myself through that. No All's way. Our Curtis, between the two schools, between our two schools, you probably won't miss much. Probably not. Probably not. And then also a trade in the NFL earlier this morning that has a local tie, Gardner Minshew, former Coog quarterback, former Coog great. He is on his way now to Philadelphia as the Eagles sent Jacksonville a sixth-round pick for their backup quarterback. Minshew probably could get some more opportunities in Philadelphia than he would in Jacksonville, obviously with Trevor Lawrence being the starting quarterback there, but you've got Minshew in Philadelphia. Jalen hurts is there still. There's an opportunity for Minshew to, to stake a claim to that starting job in Philly, depending on how hurts starts the season.
1: Yeah. You almost feel for hurts though. It's just like they make all of these moves and none of them appear to be helping him to become the quarterback that they wanted him to be. I mean, biasly love it Minshew probably you're right Curtis gonna get an opportunity to get on the field and get some of those valuable in-game reps and throws um so yeah it's uh interesting situation it's not quite a bad or a controversy there in, in Philly but uh yeah Jalen hurt if I'm Jalen Hurts I'm, I'm continuing to scratch my head about what's
0: going on here yeah I thought thought I was your guy second round pick last year showed right. showed some flashes at the end of the year but yeah, look, it's the Eagles. The Eagles, they don't know what they're doing ever. Yeah. They lucked into a Super Bowl. They kind of backed the they they backed themselves into that Super Bowl. Uh, You know, they lose Carson Wentz. Nick Foles takes over as the starting quarterback. They still miraculously pull off that Super Bowl win. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, Some texts on the Mac and Jack's text line seven ten seven ten. I asked to text in if you're going to both games today. Christina in the 253 says she is absolutely going to both games today. Yeah, a rarity on the Seattle sports calendar, something that just doesn't really happen because Major League Baseball and the NFL do a really good job of trying to avoid scheduling conflicts. Today, the Mariners and the Seahawks play on the same exact day. It's kind of like a, uh, would you call it a Seattle sports eclipse in that way? Where you've got the two biggest teams in town playing on the exact same day
1: yeah that's i've experienced the mariners sounders double that's uh what what's less cool i guess it's a lunar eclipse is cooler than a solar eclipse i don't know i don't know text in i'm not a you know text in and let me know how incorrect i am on that but uh whatever it is i've been to a sounders mariners one and those usually end in a great great state of mind so yeah I'm, uh, i'm hoping the people who are doing the double today uh really get to enjoy themselves in this Extremely rare opportunity, only I guess comes once every uh, couple couple of years,
0: <laughs> couple decades. Yeah, yeah. If you're gonna do that, don't go all out right away at the Mariners game, first couple innings, and then get to a point where like you're not even gonna be able to make it through the entire Seahawks game. That we we want you to make it through both. If you're going to go to both, make it through both and and be the best Seattle Sports fan you can absolutely be. But coming up in this hour, we're going to take a look at the Mariners, how can they stay in this wild card hunt? especially against a thorn in their side named the Kansas City Royals. But up next, what do you need to see tonight for you to change the way you think about these Seahawks? Is there a little bit of panic starting to set in before the start of the regular season? We'll get into that next. He's Taylor Jacobs. I'm Curtis Rogers. This is Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. Been, I don't know how you would properly describe what the training camp and preseason has been like for the Seahawks. Clunky kind of comes to mind, where it just, just never felt comfortable over the last couple of weeks. And you see the results of the preseason opener and last week's opener. You had the Jamal Adams negotiations going on to start camp. Now you've got the Dwayne Brown and Quandre Diggs negotiations going on right now. Diggs has pulled himself from practice the last couple of days saying you know what i'm gonna hold in taylor i feel as though there is a level of hand wringing going on amongst the seahawks fan base am i off base in that or is there you know maybe am i making too much of it or is there actually something to what's going on over the last couple of weeks here hey Look, I
1: fans are reacting. Uh that's you hit it on the on the head there. Whether or not they're they're reacting the same way in the V-Mac, I think is a whole whole different thing. And I I didn't get that sense from being down there. Look, I I think I sat out there more than anyone here in the Seattle media. I sat outside of that V-Mac facility the past month watching this team and they they look like they're all on the same page and and usually When you can feel the tension building in practice between the groups, that's when you know things might not be going the way you want it. But it seems like every side of the ball, offense and defense, understands their assignments, whether they succeed or fail. They're moving on to the next play. They're hitting it. You've seen the defenders make big plays. You've you've seen um, offensive players make big plays. So. To me, I I think the freaking out from the fans is a little early. It is the preseason again. We're we're watching backups versus backups. But I think it does bring up a a different question, Curtis, about the depth. And is this team as deep as we thought they were maybe heading into this training camp? And I'll I'll throw it to you, Curtis. Is there a concern for you over how
0: deep this team truly is? I think. So, and it it's not at the positions that there wasn't really a question to their depth. I think defensive line, to me, is still the deepest position group that the Seahawks have. Um, and I think the questions for me about the depth are currently in the secondary and also on the offensive line. And that offensive line question mark, really both of those places if you get Quandre Diggs and Dwayne Brown taken care of before week one, I think that would put both of those spots in a much better position. And we're kind of used to seeing here in in Seattle, especially in the preseason, games going the Seahawks way because of how great depth has been, you know, with Pete Carroll and John Schneider at leading this franchise. I mean, we all kind of point to the Legion of Boom era where the Seahawks would routinely go undefeated in the preseason because, look, their their twos and threes on their lineup would have been most teams' number ones back then because the depth was just so stupidly good back then. Obviously, now when you know your the makeup of your franchise has changed so much over the last seven eight years. It's not going to be – you're not going to have opportunities to round out your roster in the way that you did back then. But there are still, you know, ways to go out and find those gems, those guys, those diamonds in the rough. And uh, right now, I mean, you look at the last two weeks, the Raiders and Broncos have just had their way with the Seahawks backups. Now, Alex Magoo, not really somebody you're hoping to see at any point in the regular season. He got cut this week, which, look – I mean, that was to be expected after the game he had against the Broncos. Uh, if Russell Wilson's out there, I mean, you've got nine wins at least. You've got nine wins at least. And that's regardless of what anybody else does on this team. So I don't know if my concerns so much are, are with the depth, but I, I think my biggest concern right now is just those guys who are choosing to hold in in Dwayne Brown and Quandre Diggs. Yeah, I,
1: man. That's a – and then <laughs> – it's such an issue with the with digs and brown because you can truly see both sides of this one right look if you're the seahawks organization we'll start with Dwayne brown you know he's getting up there in age he already has this deal this year and to them they're almost thinking about you know can he prove that he's still at the top of his game and if he can do that it feels like they would extend him but for Dwayne what why does he have to prove it right on the flip side why does he have to go out there and and show them again what he's been doing consistently over his whole career and you look across the league offensive linemen specifically with tackles seem to be getting older and older and still being able to succeed deeper into their careers so with with Dwayne you know he has i think a little bit more to stand on than Quandre just because there's going to be more pressure from Russell Wilson and from other people. But look, if Diggs is just as important to the defense, this is when Bobby and some of those other voices on the defense need to step up, talk to the coaches, talk to the people, the powers that be and voice their, their opinions about it. Because look, we're a couple of weeks away from the regular season. So these situations are going to be figured out one way or another uh, in the next few weeks, and if they're playing on their deals, I'm assuming they're going to be upset and most likely looking towards that free agency period.
0: Well, and to one of your earlier points there, you talked about just the importance of the positions that those guys play. Uh, the Seahawks, I think, would be foolish to address Quandre Diggs' contract before getting to Dwayne Browns, because this is your starting left tackle. Outside of the quarterback, there may not be a more important piece on your offense than your starting left tackle. This is the guy who's protecting Russell Wilson's blindside, and Brown still plays at a Pro Bowl-type level. This is a guy that, yeah, is 36 years old, but is still really, really good. Quandre Diggs is, A, a safety and B, a safety that they gave up just a fifth-round pick for in order to get him. That doesn't scream a top priority as much as starting left tackle and a guy who you gave up a second-round pick for years ago. That, to me, is why Dwayne Brown absolutely has to be a priority ahead of Quandre Diggs if they want to actually put together the best possible team here. And then, who knows, maybe those deals get done and that frees up enough money to go out and get maybe a KJ right back. And we heard Brock Heward this week on the Brock and Salk podcast talk about how he thinks maybe there is a chance that KJ comes back. Who knows if if that is the move that would put a lot of people at ease on the defensive side of the ball. I, I'm all for it. I don't think there's any drawback to bringing in KJ on the defensive side of the ball, um, especially I mean, look, your linebacker depth is hurting. He doesn't play the same spot that Ben Burkirvan did, but look, you can never have enough guy, enough good players on an NFL roster. And last I checked, KJ Wright is a very good player. In fact, he's one of the top 100 players, according to everybody around the league.
1: Yeah, and that's what we learned in the first two preseason games, Curtis, is this team needs some depth. They, they, they might need a little bit more behind the starters for the just in case situation. And of course, insurance is only that, right? It, it's only as good as when you need to replace your starter, but the step down is always going to be a, a down step. You just want to make it a little step, not a big massive gap Chatham, where you fall yeah. down. Right. So uh, I, I agree with you, but also let's not forget Quandre Diggs is, is a baller on that defense and he's outplayed yes. his contract. I know that's that another sort of cliche because pretty much everyone outplays their contract, unless you, are really underachieving so a, a lot of those before they get paid paid so Quandre is one of the important pieces on this team and i get it both as a fan of this team and someone who who watches and analyzes the seahawks they need Quandre digs out there at and to lose a player like that especially now and to have things maybe turn uh is not what you want to see like i said we have a texter texting in here from the uh the 206 uh, about the timing or pardon me the 360 the timing of digs bugs them not the fact that he wants more money it's the timing and it feels like a lot of seahawk fans might fall into that category where they don't necessarily feel like he's wrong for asking for money he's played really well it's just he waited so long quote-unquote maybe these discussions have been going on it hasn't really spilled out into the public until now so that's sort of our reaction but kj uh, like to go back to kj right really quickly i I think they're making a huge mistake if they head into the season and he's not on the roster and they can't find a deal there's got to be some sort of deal where they're both happy about what's happening and the role he can play on this team and look I I just want to see a guy like that on this defensive roster because it's going to make me more confident heading into the season with a lot of questions and an almost must win mentality.
0: Coming up in this one-hour edition of Seattle Sports Saturday, we're already halfway through. Uh, about 15 minutes from now, it'll be time for shout-outs. Text those in to the Mac and Jacks text line 710-710. Who are you shouting out? But with Mariners pregame a half hour away, how can this Mariners team stick around in that wild card race? We'll get into that next year on Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs on seven hundred and ten ESPN Seattle. Mentioned it off the top of the show today. Where look, this time of year in the wild card race for the Mariners, every game it's pretty much a must win game and. Look, it, it it's only further amplified by the fact that the last two nights have been just absolutely brutal losses. Late losses, last night in extra innings. Thursday night at the hands of Salvador Perez. Well, actually both nights at the hands of Salvador Perez, Taylor. And when you look at this team right now and where they sit in the wild card race, gosh, just where they have been this week. Coming off that Oakland series, I don't know if the fan base in the last decade has ever been that confident in their team than they were or have ever been as confident in their team than they were coming off that Oakland series. It was like, Oh man, we've got everybody right where we want them. Looking at that Boston series in September, three games at home. You've got a ton of games against Oakland, a ton of games against Houston, plenty of opportunities to make hay in this race. And like, Oh, seven games against the Royals, seven games against the Diamondbacks too. Like this is a prime opportunity And unfortunately they have gotten off on the worst possible foot you can get off to here in this Kansas city series. What do you, what do you want to see from them at at least just the rest of this series before they have to face an even better team in the Houston Astros when they come to town?
1: I I honestly want to see them forget the game, whatever happens the day before or the, the, the game before forget it. Win. Loss. Now is not the time to be thinking about those things. We got four games left. If I'm if you're the Mariners, I'm thinking you have four games left here in the month of August before we hit September. Two against the Royals, two against the Astros Astros. Taking three of four of those games might put them within a real, you know, a real consideration of this wild card the first day of September. So, again, this team is overachieving right now, no matter how you slice it, no matter how, what happens the rest of the year, playoffs, wild card, not not making the playoffs, they've overachieved. But to me, and, and this is probably going to come back to service, really managing these guys, and that's why he has the role of manager, and that title is you got to forget what happened in the game before. And yes, they've lost a couple heartbreakers here to the Royals, but they have two more opportunities to win against this team. Forget about winning series. It's about winning those games and and winning games equals a winning the series, but you can't look ahead more than a day. You got to think about today. So go out and win win, uh, on Mariner Moose pop night, Curtis. That's got to be priority. Number one
0: here today. Absolutely. It does. And I mean, you, as baseball fans, especially this time of year, we are always so guilty of playing the look-ahead game where it's like if they take care of business here, this upcoming series here can really launch them forward and, and such and such, and th- you kind of do forget that, look, in baseball especially, there may not be a sport where quite like baseball where any team can beat anybody on any given day. I, mean, I think hockey is probably the other sport where – it is even more so to that degree. The NFL is there in that sort of realm too, but I think baseball and hockey are the two sports where anybody can beat anybody, no matter time, place, situation. And we've seen that in this series with Kansas city, taking the first two games against the Mariners. Kansas city is a team that is not going to be competing for any sort of AL central or wildcard title this year. And yet they have looked like the better team throughout the series first two games, but the confidence level right now in the Mariners, I mean, just to be in this position, a considering where they were at the beginning of the season, b considering where they were partway through the season. It is not necessarily miraculous, but it is a complete testament to Scott services ability to manage this ball club. And yeah, there, you know, you look the last couple of nights, there have been some questionable decisions, you know, leaving who you say Kikuchi in, in that sixth inning where he walked the bases loaded. Joe Smith comes in, gives up the grand slam last night with, you know, Logan Gilbert, giving up the grand slam to Salvador Perez. But, you know, you look at this team pound for pound. I mean, they don't, they don't measure up to the contenders in the American league. And yet somehow the toothpaste tube that is this Mariners has been squeezed so hard by Scott service, he has gotten just about every last drop of it out. And I mean, you cannot, you cannot say that he is a a reason why this team is, you know, having a tough time here in this series, because look, he has been the guy that has pressed so many correct buttons this year. And I mean, it's a testament to just the kind of manager he has become here in his tenure in Seattle.
1: Yeah, and again, you just you look at the teams in front of them, Curtis, and it, it, it's still on the table. And and again, if, if I'm Scott Service, I, I'm telling the guys, look, it's still there. It's still within reach. Look at where what we've accomplished so far to get here and look at what we've had to overcome. We mentioned it last week, and even before the season started, this team had a load to carry and, and to deal with with, uh, unfortunately they had to go through that. So to me, I don't care about run differentials. I do care about fun differential, but that's all, that's another topic for another day. We don't have enough time for the fun differential today, but you just, again, you look around at the A's and they're struggling two and eight in their last 10 and the Red Sox, you know, they've, they've won two in a row. They're five and five in their last 10. So they don't really strike any sort of fear into you as a Mariners fan, And, oh, by the way, you're playing them. You get to play the Red Sox in September. You get to play the A's in September. So don't look too far ahead into those games because you're going to get lost in the translation. You still have some series with the Diamondbacks. I'm sure they're going to challenge them at some way, somehow. The Angels, Shohei Otani will figure out how to go crazy in that series, of course. All of those things will come to the Mariners at some point. That's just the way baseball works. But again, they're right there. We're at the end of August. Think about this. You tweeted it out, Curtis. It was so perfect. We're circling dates in September. When was the last time you remember thinking about games in September, circling them and being like this, this is a must watch. I got to see this game. Hey, maybe I got to buy tickets to this game if there's tickets still available. Um, So, my, I'm so excited to be experiencing this again, and that's why I do have confidence in this team. Yes, they've been losing to teams like the Royals, but they've been scrapping out wins too, and that's what you want to see from this team heading into the end of August, beginning of September.
0: Well, and with this 2021 Mariners team, it never feels like a game is is too far out of hand, especially in the late innings, and there was a stat this week. Fan pointed out that this Mariners team By their clutch metric, which I'm not necessarily sure how they go about measuring it, but by their clutch metric, this Mariners team is the greatest of all time. There has never been a baseball team assembled in Major League Baseball history that has been more clutch than the 2021 Mariners, and that is a big reason why they are in the position that they are, because like you said, that run differential, not pretty, but they have been able to win so many of these close games, so many of these one-run games, where Look, if you can get a team like you know the Astros on that Sunday finale uh in Houston, where you know they're coming off the two games where they got blown out, but that game was within reach for the majority of it. It was two nothing going in the eighth. the Mariners get the one run in the eighth, then they get the run to tie it in the ninth, and then they take the lead in the eleventh inning, same goes for that Oakland game in uh, game number one of that series, Ty France hitting the tying home runs in both those games. The Mariners love playing close games because they know they have an absolute shot at pulling it off, get it to their bullpen. They've got an extreme confidence in those guys, and they added some reinforcements this week too. I, I think this Mariners team still has a run in them. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they could be playing in that wild card round. I And it, it may seem ridiculous to say that, especially after the last couple of nights that they've had. But you know what? Like, this team thrives off the chaos. They thrive off, you know, pressure-packed situations. And what is the month of September full of? Those exact scenarios. And this Mariners team can somehow find a way to get into that and and get into those kinds of game situations. I think it is going to be of a benefit to them.
1: Yeah, and long-term, these are the the games. Again, we have someone texting in here um, sort of, Comparing us to the Yankees and saying, look, if this was happening in New York, it would be a joke to say it's OK to overachieve. Yeah. Other than the New York Yankees, most other organizations go through lulls and the Yankees actually went through a bit of a lull and they had to go through a, a part where they had to overachieve as well, even when they were struggling. So I will gladly admit the Seattle Mariners are not the New York Yankees, but there's so many valuable quote unquote reps to take in right now for this team and, and so much for them to learn, not only for this season and the push for the wild card this season, but next year and next season and the seasons beyond, knowing that hey, like we were in all these one run games back then when I was still learning, now I'm comfortable. Let's go out there and let's let's do the dang thing. Right. Like they're they're just going to have built up this mentality that they can do it no matter the run differential no matter the other players in the lineup, no matter if they trade someone else, they can go out there with any team and compete. And again, that's what you want to see from your from your ball club, no matter if they're the New York Yankees or the Seattle Mariners.
0: Mariners pregame coming your way in less than 20 minutes right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Uh, By the way, if you miss any of today's Seattle Sports Saturday or any hour of any show here on 710 ESPN Seattle, make sure you're downloading the podcast, 710sports.com. Click on podcast. It is all right there for you at your fingertips. But before we send you over to Mariners pregame, we will give you our shout-outs. We'll read some of your shout-outs. Text those in to the Mac and Jack's text line. That's all next here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. It is time for shout outs right here on Seattle Sports Saturday. This is how we finish up every single edition of Seattle Sports Saturday. Duck it out an hour early because we got Mariner's pre to get to here in a little bit. Shannon Dreyer she'll be taking you up to first pitch starting right at noon here. But Taylor. Let's get to some shout-outs here. Shout-out uh, from Jen in Beaverton, the 503. Mm. She says, shout-out to these two old guys who can't be bothered to lose a little sleep for their alma mater's football team. That's exactly it, Jen. Like, we're washed. We are so washed up. Uh, or and, You know, maybe I'll speak for myself on that, but uh, look, I'm, I'm not as young as I used to be.
1: No, I'm soft. I'm openly soft. I'm like Drake <laughs> in a vanilla ice cream bowl. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just as soft as possibly <laughs> could be. So, but I'm going to do it. I'm just going to complain the whole time because I want exactly. to be watching them in primetime, baby. Let's go. Let's see them in some big games instead of these 8 p.m. Dinkers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. But Yeah. Time for shout-outs right here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Text them into the Mac and Jack's text line, 710. 710 is the number to text if you want to get yours read on the air. But, Taylor, uh, I think my shout-out this week is going to go to a pair of guys, and uh, they are going to get some pretty well-deserved honors here coming up in this upcoming football season. And that is going to be Matt Hasselbeck and Mike Holmgren, two legends of the Seahawks franchise who – were announced this week as the most recent recipients of induction into the Seahawks Ring of Honor, which is going to happen back-to-back weeks. I believe it'll be October 25th and October 31st uh, against New Orleans and against Jacksonville. And, I mean, look, we have seen the most successful era of Seahawks football over the last decade, for sure. Do not let that distract you from how amazing the previous era was for Seahawks fans as well because Holmgren and Hasselbeck took the Seahawks to a level that was never before seen in this town's, you know, sporting history to that point, or at least the football history, the professional football history, because before Holmgren got here, it had been, what, 1983 was the last time they won a playoff game, and for them to get the Seahawks to their very first Super Bowl in 2005, they didn't win it, unfortunately, and we all know the story of that game, but What they were able to do as a tandem, and also Walter Jones and Steve Hutchinson and Sean Alexander and everybody on those teams, I mean, they lit the fire for Seahawks football to become what it is now, and if those guys hadn't been there to do what they did for that nearly decade-long run in the early 2000s, who knows where the Seahawks... Could be. I mean, th- those two guys specifically lifted this franchise to a level that hardly any of us had even thought was possible.
1: Yeah, I mean, text flooding in now. 360, Holmgren helped me when the Sonics left town. 813, before Holmgren, the Sonics and Huskies ruled Seattle. All true. He, and with the help of Matt Hasselback uh, on the field, helped move that needle in this town to make the Seahawks. Uh, not just a, an afterthought to make them the thought, the first thought. And those teams in the early two thousands were so much fun, and, and a lot of uh, people who are still around the sports community here in Seattle had a lot to do with that team. And and a lot of those players have stayed in around this town and still have an impact on this community. So, yeah, it, it's 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 an honor that he was here coaching this team because i know he had the success in green bay there were a lot of other opportunities he could have taken to come here to help lay the groundwork like you said curtis uh and and to help this seahawks organization become one of the best not only in the nfc but in the nfl uh truly is owed to that generation of teams and specifically the two at the top
0: yeah you mentioned holmgren and him coming to seattle like where the Seahawks franchise was right before Holmgren showed up, they're perennially 500 at that point. They were usually 7 and 9, 8 and 8, 9 and 7. Or they were, you know, in 1992, they went, what, 1 and 15, 2 and 14, whatever it was. Um, Like, why would a Super Bowl-winning head coach leave the gig that he was in fresh off an NFC title where he took the Packers back to the Super Bowl, and yet he decided to come here to Seattle to lay the groundwork. And, I mean, there were a couple of years early on where it was like, I don't know, especially with Hasselbeck and Holmgren, where it was, you know, the jury was still very much out. But then they started rolling. It was the, I think, the end of the first year at Seahawks Stadium where the Seahawks kind of showed what they could be at the end of 2002. 03, they make the playoffs. Uh, 04, they have another playoff season. And 05, as we know, is one of the most – legendary years in Seahawks franchise history, those two guys, just the way they were able to sort of put their foot in the ground early on, the Seahawks, I commend them for giving them the time to do so, because if not, like, if this were today, if Holmgren and Hasselbeck were around today, there's no way an NFL front office would give a quarterback and a head coach like three or four years to really establish themselves. There's no way that would happen. So I commend the Seahawks run office for allowing them to do so back then. And, uh, I'm just so excited to see a lot of those faces from that era sort of come back to town when those guys get honored. Uh, it's going to be incredible to see because I mean, they're, there are guys that are still around the franchise in different roles and you see them on commercials or whatever, but just to see that group back together, we saw a little bit at the hall of fame this last year with Steve Hutchinson getting inducted. Um, I am just so pumped for that, you know, two week stretch of this season, seeing two guys who are so deserving of those honors.
1: Yeah. Now put Holmgren in the the pro football hall of fame and we're all good. We'll, we can call ourselves yeah. good
0: there, Curtis.
1: Uh, for mine real quick similar to honor some champions some of the best of the best the seattle storm raised their commissioner's cup banner into the rafters so that's cool to know that uh, the first ever banner for the commissioner's cup will always live in seattle with this storm franchise and they continue to impress they continue to win and each week I continue to be more and more impressed by the way they play basketball and just how dominant this team truly can be. So uh, Stewie, one of the best players in the world as well, and might end up her career being one of the the greatest to ever play, not only women's basketball, basketball in general, just the way and how dominant she's been and all the accolades she's achieved so far. So shout out to the storm. And also if you have a hookup on a, uh, a large or extra large Jersey. I seem to be struggling <laughs> to find storm jerseys for, a, for a man size. So uh, let me know. Cause I would like to, would like to acquire a super Jersey or Stewie Jersey, either one. I got to get one yeah. soon. You,
0: you just gotta, you gotta pay respects to the legends because you got to, uh, you yeah, gotta do it. The storm, the storm are absolutely just, they're rolling right now. I think what they're third in the WNBA record wise. Uh, I, I think it is well within the possibility of them going back-to-back here. I think, what was it? Brianna Stewart, when she was on, I think it was she was on the Mariners game broadcast with Aaron Goldsmith and Mike Blowers, I think she has some crazy recollection of, like, every loss that she's had in her career, which is ridiculous, but also it's ridiculous how few losses she's actually had in her career. She's won so many titles. She won four straight national titles at UConn. She's won a pair here in the WNBA. She's been an MVP. I mean, she is maybe the best athlete in Seattle sports right now, and it's unfortunate that she doesn't get her due, but we're always going to give her a shout-out here on Seattle Sports Saturday because of just how incredible she has been ever since arriving on the scene. Um, Yeah,
1: she's getting her flowers on this show, Curtis, no doubt. And then also shout out
0: her her daughter Ruby got to
1: see her first game yesterday. So shout out to to, uh, family and and newborns getting to see their
0: uh, parents do work, right, Curtis? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Will is in the next room right over. That's going to do it for us here on this Seattle Sports Saturday. You've got the Mariners coming up next. Seahawks coming your way at 5 p.m. Do not go anywhere. 710 ESPN is the place you want to be here on this Seattle Sports Saturday. For Taylor Jacobs, I'm Curtis Rogers. You are listening to 710 ESPN Seattle.